That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin. Today, I'm chatting with Joy Pittman, an HR leader and founder of HR for the Culture, about a new workplace trend called quiet hiring. Joy will share what this trend is, signs that it's happening to you, and specific strategies you can take to make quiet hiring benefit you and your career for the long term. And now, this is the Career Contessa Podcast. Remember when quiet quitting went viral last year, describing people who stay in their jobs but mentally take a step back? For example, working the bare minimum and not making their job the center of their lives. Now in 2023, there is a new workplace trend on the horizon called quiet hiring. And if you're a freelancer, you might have heard of the same concept just with a different name. It's called scope creep. To help us make sense of all of this, we've invited Joy Pittman to the show. Joy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to get into it. So let's get to it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So first, let's you tell us about yourself and you have a business called HR for Culture. So what do you guys do? Yep. So um, the company name is HR for the Culture. And essentially, we work with small businesses, not-for-profit organizations, and urban ministries. Our goal is to help them to build and align the teams they need to really grow and scale faster. And we really focus on the people experience from the employee perspective. So we're not your traditional... HR hiring firm. We're uber people-centered. We work with organizational design, right people in right seats to get things done. Um, And so that is our focus. I love that. I wish more HR could get to say that they were that. I feel like sometimes corporate HR doesn't really get to have all that stuff because they've got higher ups, but you get to call the shots. And that's amazing. I love like organizational design, just being people focused. Doesn't that sound crazy that that's so unique in HR? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, HR, unfortunately, we report to the same people everybody else reports to in organizations. Yeah. And so oftentimes you want to, the thing that you want to do and the thing that you can do don't always align. So I am excited to sit in the privilege that I get to sit in to really work with CEOs who are evolving their organizations and growing them and get them to really think about the things early. Productive people are profitable, period. Yes. And so sometimes we're chasing the profit margins and forgetting the people. I believe if you engage the people first, you will never have to worry about your profit margin. And so that's really what we have to, we want to focus on. What's something you hear from CEOs or managers or people you have to report to that you're like, I, that is so wrong. Like you're stuck in the way back when, when, you know, the old ways of doing it, like what's something that you hear where you're like, that's an old way of thinking. And this is the new way of thinking. I think one is we give them a paycheck as if that's <laughs> all we care about in the workforce is their check. Right. So that is 
really old in thinking. And the other idea, and it's related, is that people don't want to work. I think yeah. it's a real lazy response. It's a very lazy response to think that people don't want to work in or the paycheck is enough. And it doesn't force us to think about humans, right? Not as robots or as machinery, but actually people who are looking to fulfill their lives. And we know this stuff, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs talks about like all these orders of personal and professional fulfillment. And we skip all of it and say, pay them and give them this handbook and this, these SOPs and they'll be fine. So not right. really thinking the human experience in the workplace is the biggest issue that I hear all the time. It's worded differently, but it basically is at the core of most of the conversations. I have also heard many times from many people, like people just don't want to work today. They just aren't motivated. They just don't want, you know, people are just lazy and, you know, it's, it's shocking. And I know someone specifically close to my life who works at a company where, you know, they, they really are not people first. And then they're shocked that people leave or they're shocked that they have trouble hiring or they hire people. And guess what? The people aren't like going out of their way and being productive as you point out or proactive and anything like that. So I know that's like a whole other spiel for another day, but I think that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it ends up being connected. So yeah, these are things will all spin off of each other, but it starts with yeah. people's well, and that's a good segue to the to what we're talking about today, which is what is quiet hiring and scope creep. Cause this definitely sounds like something that people are taking advantage of. So I will say that I don't know if everybody's doing it on purpose, but what it actually is, is when employers or organizations start to give their employees or their contractors additional tasks. And normally it just really ends up avoiding having to pay for the extra work, right? So, or hiring another person to do it. So we start making these Girl Friday roles or adding additional things or Oh, could you just, right? Like this idea of can you just, can you just? And what normally happens in our environment is that people want to keep either the job or the contract they have. And if they don't feel empowered to say, hey, that wasn't in my original scope or hey, that's not really on my job description, you end up under the guise of, and we'll get into it, whatever those guises are, taking on more things. And at some point you realize I'm doing four jobs for the price of one. And so organizations have done this. And this is not new. It's not a new phenomenon. We're just talking about it differently in that people are calling it out and calling it what it is. But it essentially is you you hired me to do A and you've added B, C, D, and E, but you have not increased my pay. You have not changed my title. You have not acknowledged this extra work. That's what they're calling it, quiet hiring. I think this happens a lot with layover or layoffs too. I mean, because, you know, someone so gets laid off, you're still there they tell you it's going to be temporary to your point. I love the language. Like, can you just, it always starts like that. Like, can you just take this on until we rehire? And next thing you know, you've had that job for five years because they never rehired their role. Right. And if you can do it, the struggle becomes if you were able to do it efficiently and effectively for yeah. two months, then why not three months? Why not four months? Why not forever? Right. Like you were doing it. So it's almost, right. you know, Damn if you do, damn if you don't. In in that construct that if I fail at it, right, my job may be in jeopardy. If I succeed, I've now just taken on new work with no reasonable reason as to why I can't do this new work. And unfortunately, it impacts predominantly in our communities, folks that don't self-advocate, women, people of color that don't feel confident or strong enough to say no, to push back, to say, hey, this was supposed to be 90 days. We're on day 93. And we end up just kind of absorbing the role. And then that goes into satisfaction of the areas. So, yeah. Yeah. It all just bleeds into everything else, as you pointed mm-hmm. out. So how can someone identify when quiet hiring is happening to them? So normally when the can you just almost becomes an expectation of, 
the thing that you were asked to do once or twice or the thing that you were asked to do almost as a favor starts to become the expectation. You're being rated on it. You're being expected to do it. You've pretty much been quite hired into a role. When also people start making you the go-to for, when other people in the organization or in the group are now coming to you for that thing, you're being named on it consistently and constantly, it's happening. And essentially it happens at the moment someone asks you to do something that's not in your role, they've done it. It's the consistency and longevity of it, right? That makes it the more permanent piece. And so you can start identifying it just basically in how your workload is evolving and or are they adding things without removing things? So is it not elevating Mm. my role, right? So you're not, there's a thing that they talk about job enlargement versus job enrichment. So you're not making my role more valuable. You're not elevating me in the organization. I'm not taking on projects that are moving me more in a career destination. You're just giving me more stuff. Right. And so those are very different. So job enlargement is it was the old school terming for quiet hiring, right? That you're just making my job bigger. And so when you notice nothing's going off your plate, more things are coming on. The level of the work is not really elevating. You're not getting more visibility. You're just getting more tasks. You're being quiet hired. The Career Contestant podcast is supported by our friends at Dropbox. Are you ready to dive into the world of virtual work? The Remotely Curious podcast is back for a brand new season asking all the questions about hybrid, remote, or as Dropbox calls it, virtual first work. As we all know, the landscape of working life has undergone tremendous transformations in recent years. From the rise of hybrid work models to jobs that have gone completely remote, we're facing a new era in the way we work. Working life has changed in so many ways, and we're all doing our best just to keep up. In season two of Remotely Curious, host Tiffany Jones-Brown takes a deeper look at the challenges and the realities of this moment with the help of best-selling authors, scientists, comedians, professors, and researchers. Hear from a time management expert on how to find balance in an age of distraction and a fashion historian on how we think about our closets full of untouched work clothes. Tiffany even takes on topics like caregiving and the struggle to tap into our own creativity from the couch. Hear from incredible guests whose work is at the center of our changing culture, like Oliver Berkman, Angela Garbus, Katie Milkman, Gloria Mark, and so many more. No matter if you're currently working from home, adjusting to a part-time commute, or navigating the uncharted waters of a return to office life, this podcast is here to accompany you on your journey. Remotely Curious provides relatable conversations, invaluable insights, and unique perspectives to help you navigate and conquer it all. Listen to Remotely Curious on your favorite podcast app or at remotely-curious.com. Are you going on date after date and still not finding the one or getting a text back? Well, you're probably doing something wrong. And I am here to tell you exactly what that is. I'm Lindsay Metzlar and I host We Met at Acme. It's a dating podcast that gives you all the rules and guidelines that you need to date successfully. Hey, it worked for me and now I'm married. So you really should give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can also hear the horrors of dating. Everything that you want to hear is in We Met at Acme. So check it out. I interviewed Liz Weissman, who talked about the difference between being indispensable at work versus invaluable. And kind of like what you're saying, like when you're indispensable, we can't live without you because you're the only person that knows that knowledge. But that means you can't move up, right? Like there's no one on the bench behind you to take your spot. So you you have to stay there forever versus when you're invaluable, kind of like what you're saying, job enrichment. When you have that enrichment, you're doing the work that is enriching. It's valuable. It's creating impact. People 
will want to see you go other places because basically wherever we put you, you make a difference, right? So that, that sounds a lot like what you're talking about, which is why you want to try to avoid getting stuck in this quiet hiring or this job enlargement. Now, of course, I'm thinking about the person who's listening to this, who's like, okay, maybe I don't know what my job scope is. You know, some organizations are really good about consistently having a job description for you, having it really clear. Most are not. Most are like, we made the job description when you were hired five years ago, and now your job is the blend of whatever it's become. Where do you start with this process if you're like, okay, I want to I wanna first get clarity on what is my job scope? What is in my job description? Where, where, where do you go with that? And it, that one depends, right? So it depends on your organization. It depends on your comfortability and your communication, your relationships. What I generally like to tell people to do is research your job outside of your job, meaning your title has an industry connected to it, right? Whatever industry you're in, there's normally somebody else in the world that does that job. Some other company is hiring for it. So don't just research salary. Oftentimes I see people, they're researching number to number. Dig into that job description. What are the requirements that are done? What is the education, the skill level? What are the things that are necessary to do that role? The reason that that part becomes important is, and I don't want to skip us. If I'm starting to skip ahead, pause me. But when you start thinking about how do we navigate the quiet hiring, the informational space becomes uber important in you making a decision as to do I want to take on this scope of work and have my organization help me pay for trainings and different things to make me more marketable externally or do I want to say, I don't want to do these things, right? And, and these are things that we got to make these hard decisions. Where's your professional courage? How are you lined up? And so one of the places I would say is knowing what your industry has as a standard, as a norm. So you go into every conversation fully informed. The second place I would go first is your supervisor. The reason I say your supervisor versus HR is most organizations, HR departments and management have an adversarial relationship depending on where in the organization they are. So if you go to HR first, and have to double back to your supervisor, that person's more than likely going to be on guard. So based on the relationship with your supervisor, if you have that level of, of rapport with them, I would start with, a, hey, you know, I'm looking over all the things from an efficiency perspective. I'm working on things that run the complete gambit of left to right and really was wondering on what I could do to help make my work here more efficient and support you better. One of the things is people are looking for you to solve a problem for them, not create a new one. And I know that that's a hard thing to map your mind around. So going to your supervisor with, I feel like I'm working on this work that's not my work, gives them another problem to solve. Yeah. If you yeah. go to them solving something, hey, I've noticed that X, Y, Z is happening. And I really think that if I had clarity in this area, this could come off your plate. Going to them with a solve and not a new problem is probably going to open them up to a different type of conversation. So we got to finesse a little bit, right? As employees or as contractors, we need our money. So we got to be a little, we got to finesse a little as we work through this conversation. So going to them with a solution, not a problem um, from a sincere place. And then just saying, you know, what are all these things necessary? Hey, I looked at this process step and these things are not really efficient. Hey, it might be important for us to get an intern to come in. So you're coming, you're kind of getting stuff off your plate. You're inviting in a solution. Is there an internship we can work with, right? That's cost effective. Do we have a line for a junior level person that could come in and learn these things? Because I am, in your to your point, I'm indispensable, right? You need me here. But what if I got sick? COVID told us that people get, you start to provide them with solutions to make their job better. If you're getting no headway or if your manager's arms are tied and they don't really know what to do, HR may be a stopping point to say, hey, 
I, I looked at our job description and it doesn't look like any of the other job descriptions in industry around the work that we do. And maybe we've kind of gotten away from what is the standard for this role. You know, is there a review process? These questions are really hard to give a one-stop response to because we're dealing with people who are all yeah. the random variable in a conversation. And in some instances, it may be just knowing that your job is scoped out, being able to have your resume updated to reflect what you actually did even if it didn't align with your title and making the hard decision that I've gathered this much of experience doing these things. I have my artifacts that show that I've done this work and it may be time for me to now move myself into the role that aligns with the work that I've been doing at the pay salary. But that's a decision that we have to make on that personal level and based on how your organization communication lines are and your comfortability talking to your leadership and or your HR department. Right. And just so people know, this is not done in one conversation yeah. in an afternoon. Yeah. This is like a very long process. You kind of, you, you take baby steps into this because also you're probably having to do some sort of educating to your manager, maybe even HR about like, they might have forgotten that you do X, Y, Z too. That's a whole other thing. It's like, they might forget that because they don't have visibility into everything you're doing, especially if you're doing hybrid or remote work, that's also really something to keep in mind. So I think this is a really, and I personally love this, the assignment of like, write your own job description and like, consider what your scope is. And I love this, like research the roles and because a lot of us maybe aren't in the right role or maybe, you know, again, you can be in a job for so long and things change. And so it can be a good wake up call to be like, okay, let me write a job description of what I do. And what is that commonly referred to? You know, I, I always joke that like job titles getting to be all these crazy things while it was fun, like a work workplace guru, whatever, like that's a cool, fun title, but it's not that helpful no when we're trying to that. compare to other things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we're like trying to find some common language. And I think that is really, really good because you need that common language for your elevator pitch. You need that common language for LinkedIn, right? Like you and I have to speak some sort of common language for me to also understand what is it that you do, right? So I think that's just a really good exercise. Okay. So now I want to move into your top three strategies to use to negotiate quiet hiring so that it really actually can benefit you. Okay. So the one thing I want to frame all of this with is assume positive intent. If you have framed your mind to believe that they are trying to get you, they are out to get you, they don't care. If, if you walk in with that energy, you're going to project that in your conversation. So I yes. believe everybody means me well until they prove that they don't. And so that is the type of energy that I walk into every conversation with. So number one is harnessing and gathering the information that you need at the first level for your performance reviews. So level one in most of these conversations is, do you have quarterlies, biannual, annual reviews where you can start to have a conversation with your manager? Most good review processes will have goals, stretch goals, reach goals. What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Training opportunities, et cetera. For many of us, we backdoored into jobs that we didn't necessarily maybe have the credentialing for, or the certifications for. So we were doing the work, but when they look back at our qualifications, they can use that against us. So maybe in that conversation that you're having with your boss saying, hey, I'm doing these things. I've been doing it for six months. I really want to learn more about them. Is there something in the budget for me to get a training, a certification, something? Because now you're building your arsenal of credentials. This is a longer game, right? Depending on where you are in your career, but you're building your arsenal of credentials because the world is your oyster as the world has become yeah. global. So it's not always about trying to get where you are to see you as valuable. You can negotiate this in the world, right? And what I yes. want people to appreciate is that sometimes it is hard for people who met you at A to see you as C. 
sometimes it is easier to go somewhere else as C. So you're not only framing this around making them give you something that's due to you. You're looking at how do you move your career forward, whether it's with this organization or not. The first place I would start is your performance review conversation. Review the things, look it over. Are there opportunities for professional development? Are there projects that are company facing where you get to work with other leaders in the organization that are not behind the scenes projects? Can you be selected for those things to work forward? Are there projects that you can take lead on, right? And in this stage, you're building your artifacts and you're building your resume for whatever it is you desire to go. The second area really might be looking again back to industry and saying, from a strategy perspective, am I negotiating internally in my organization, but with another department? So have you noticed, has your work taken on and evolved in such a way where there are openings in your organization, not loudly in your department, right? But you can move over into another department, another area where your skill set and knowledge where you are And the additional work that you've been doing over there makes you a valuable add because now you're bringing a perspective from A and a skill set from B, right? So now you're looking at if I can't move up in this way, right? Can I move up diagonally, right? Can I move over and up, right? To move in and to gather and to earn and and to gain things. And then the last strategy that I would look at is, is it time for me to go? Have I walked into an organization? Was this education? Was it knowledge? Am I paying tuition right now, right? In the in the difference of salary. And does what I do garner things externally? To that same end, though, I would not just put in my resignation. I would look and say, hey, in order for me to get this job over here, I've done the work, but they're asking for this credential. They're asking for X number of years in whatever. They're asking for this extra qualifying piece on requirements and must-haves. So is that something my organization will pay for or that I need to invest in so that I can pull this over and move that thing, that over? The one thing that is important to all three of these conversations is that you have to be able and willing to do either case studies or documentation of your work. Just to that fact that you were doing it, we say in HR, if it wasn't written down, if it's not documented, it never happened, right? And that just doesn't occur <laughs> for write-ups and performance issues. If you're not documenting that this was my work, if you're not saving a copy of, within confidentiality standards, right? Saving a copy of a project you worked on, being able to say, you know, I started this thing at baseline A, And over the last three months, I was able to move it to B. If you're not soliciting and capturing kudos that people may give you or reaching out to people and saying it was so great to partner with you on that work, can you just share what your experience was working with me? Is there anything I can do better? When they write back the experience working with this person was amazing, that is an email that you get to save and put in your arsenal. These are ways that you engage. Don't be... I'm just going to suck it up. I'm going to keep my head down, grunt through it and get it done. There's no glory in that, right? And so you want to not praise yourself, but you do want to lift up those moments, show up. Don't do the work begrudgingly. Ask for, be okay with the visibility. If you need to go to coaching or anything to get comfortable, some of us are not comfortable being in the front. You have to be okay with those things because people are not going to come in the back and tap you if you're just back there. So being able to center yourself and doing some self-advocacy is uber important. Gathering your artifacts, gathering your historical data and being willing to push it forward and move it forward. So those three areas, lateral, right, diagonal or exiting. But in either case, you need to be able to make the argument for why you are the best person for this role or this transition. And you need to be building your toolkit. Yeah, I've seen it happen many times where people do move diagonally in organization and it's part of their overall exit strategy, right? So they actually want to leave the company and go do this job somewhere else because they think they can leverage it into a bigger job opportunity, right? And to your point, I've definitely have seen this too, where companies sometimes are like, well, 
We only see you as an assistant because that's how you started here. So that's what you'll always yeah. be, right? That kind of mentality. And so what people will do is a longer term strategy, exit strategies are like, my first goal is to go diagonally. And then from there, I'm going to leverage that to a jumping point over here. And I've seen people grow their careers. I mean, they basically have skipped like five to seven years of experience trying to do it like that. And I think that's so smart because you're being very proactive and you are in the driver's seat of your career versus letting it just happen. And I couldn't agree more with you about like, they're not going to tap the person in the back. You got to be in the front. You got to self-advocate. And I think these are just really, really fantastic tips. So you guys, if you have to rewind that to listen to it again, please do, because that is the, the advice that we all need today in our careers, which is make these strategies work for you. Don't let them just happen when they're happening. Be thoughtful and strategic about them. And to your point, if you need that certificate, can your organization pay for it? That's part of that overall exit strategy. And I think too many people are a little short-sighted where they just job hop to job hop or they resign and they're like, Oh, I'll figure it out later. It's like, no, but you know, they always say, don't make any like big decisions when you're emotional. Sometimes when you figure out that you have been quietly hired, you can feel a little emotional, a little taken advantage of, but I agree with you. Let's go in and save that energy, that negative energy, and instead use that energy for this positive thing of what's the strategy going to be. I think that's really, really good advice, Joy. As you know, this small business month, we've teamed up with Adobe Express to bring you the tips and tricks to use today to elevate your business or brand. Our small business tip of the week is pay attention to the details to elevate your brand. Creative content that wows is more likely to increase likes, saves, shares, and purchases. And Adobe Express makes it easy to wow in all your marketing. Seriously, easy for any skill level. Adobe Express has thousands of free, beautiful templates for everything you need from designing your logo to creating that social content, flyers, invites, and more all in one place. So what details can make the difference? Well, animation can capture your audience's eye more than a static image. Adobe Express makes it simple to animate text of an image on your graphic so it stands out on the social feed. High quality photos can take any marketing or social post to the next level and pop on the screen. Adobe Express comes loaded with thousands of professionally designed social media graphics, icons, and images you can drag and drop right into your design without the expensive photo shoot or trying to resize a photo or anything crazy like that. And finally, enhance your existing photos. Remove backgrounds with the tap of a finger so you can use just the product or the model you took a picture of, for example, and easily place it into a template or other background you choose from the stock library. Seriously, it is so simple and I really wish we had had this tool when we had first started with Career Contessa. It would have saved us hours. With Adobe Express, you can also choose fonts that reflect your brand's personality. With more than 18,000 licensed fonts, Adobe Express makes it simple to find the right topography for your brand. Whether you're a career-driven superstar, an entrepreneur, small business owner, or running a side hustle, start using all these easy tools on the details that make your brand stand out. You can all start creating today for free with Adobe Express, available on your favorite app stores. Plus, get more tips and tricks right now at adobe.com backslash express. Let's talk about the three things that people should think about before quiet quitting, because I do think a quiet hiring, like I just said, can lead people to sort of this bad place where they're like, oh my gosh, you've been taking advantage of me. You just gave me more stuff and no one. And like, I also look at it like, 
the employer isn't going to tap you on the shoulder and be like, Hey, I gave you more work. You took it on willingly. So let's pay you more. They're probably not going to be the person to tap you on the shoulder to do that. So, you know, if you're having this feeling of like, well, they've been taking advantage of me. Let's, let's just skip over that because that's a whole other emotion of like, but you also kind of let it happen. So let's talk about like, how do you keep yourself from then just going the complete opposite and becoming a quiet quitting person? Dangle on kind of how we're segueing to this piece. One thing I want to add is get comfortable negotiating and asking for the thing. They may say no, but it's a muscle that you have to be able to do the thing. When you go in for that review, it, hey, are, are we discussing bonuses and increases, right? We sometimes feel like it's 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 taboo to ask for more money. Bread costs more. Everything costs more. Yeah. No one's asking <laughs> yeah. when they raise their prices. And people are aware of that. They're hoping you don't be okay to have the conversation and advocate. So to that end, what I will say is quiet quitting in my assessment is one of the most disempowered or unempowered response that we can take. Because what it basically says is I just have to suffer through whatever's happening to me. I'm going to take my toys and go home. I'm going to ball up in the corner. I'm just going to come and give them the bare minimum. The truth of the matter is we spend too much time at work to not be fulfilled, to not feel like we have purpose, to not feel like we're doing something that we enjoy or that's building us into the next place. And so we're not really moving from job to job. As you said, we're literally involving our careers. We're enabling ourselves to better take care of our families, to live better qualities of life, to enjoy life's luxuries or necessities, right? Depending on where you are in your career. And so the quiet quitting part is almost like I gave up. Like I just said, oh, well, I'm yeah. here. So I want every person hearing this to know you do not have to give up at work. It may not be the ideal situation. Don't give up, right? So that's number one. Number one, do not give up, right? Do not sit on your computer and look for other jobs and just scroll around and click on everything. But what I want you to do is to think about and be thoughtful about what is next. The goals you don't set, you will never reach. So the first thing I want you to do is if you realize I've been quiet hired, right? Reframe it for yourself to say that I was capable enough for them to give me these additional things. And they may not be saying thank you on the back end. They may not be giving me the money, but there is something in that thing that does validate that I'm good at what I do, that I'm good at what, how I show up. Right. And so that is the thing Now they rewarded it with more work. So we got to fix that piece, but you want to be able to do that. So you want to own that as an empowering place. And then you want to start thinking about what decisions are at my disposal right now. Right. Am I in a position right now to make a move or do I need to stay a little bit longer? But once you frame that you're doing it for you, not them, it's a very different interaction. So one, stop complaining to everybody. I'm going to say that as the first one. Stop talking to everybody, complaining to everybody. There are a lot of people that don't realize they've been overlooked for promotions and opportunities, even though they're good workers, because they have horrible reputations in the workplace. Because those people that you think are confidential are going back and trading your secrets for other secrets. They're talking about how much you're complaining. They're putting it. So do not let that show up in your work. Continue to walk in in a positive attitude, positive feeling, and to move forward and to, to operate from that place, right? So that's number one. Stop the water cooler. Cut the water cooler out, right? Focus on what is important. How do I want to show up and be observed? The second thing that I would recommend if you have the opportunity to network in your organization or external to your organization, do so. If there are ERGs, if there are opportunities where you are on the elevator, 
with someone who is higher up. Be prepared and ready to strike up a conversation. Start going through. This is something I did at a large organization I worked through. I started going through VPs and high level individuals and just looking over their bios and resumes. So if I ran into them on the elevator, I could strike up a quick, hi, how are you? Whatever. I saw the project you did on whatever. It was amazing. Just striking up some type of interaction. Sometimes we are not being moved because we're only visible where we are. So don't be invisible at work. Don't sit at your desk and be angry. Don't be invisible. And then the next thing that I want you to do, and most people don't do it, is really write down and set intentions. I know people talk a lot about affirmations and things like that, but setting clear intentions around what you want your growth to be. Most of quiet quitting is really like to what I said is giving up. So it's identifying where do I want my career to be in the next three to five years, right? And it may not be a conversation with your boss around, can I get this raised tomorrow? It may be a conversation with your boss or HR or a mentor in the organization, right? Because we don't talk enough about sponsors and mentors and individuals that can really help us give visibility and connect us to things and having conversations with them about what your growth trajectory is. Because the other piece that we don't realize sometimes, again, Again, assuming positive intent is that folks don't know what you want to do. So they're giving you more work because the work needs to get done, but they don't have a clear voice from you as to what your goals are, your aspirations. What do you want to work towards? What are you interested in? So they just give you what they think you're good at and what they can get off their plate. Yeah. You have to be vocal and use that voice and use that opportunity. And one of the things that I actually did in my career, to be honest, was I would do work this is something I did. I had access in HR, so I'll tell y'all this. But I would do additional work. And then I had was able to see, hey, this role has these things in it. And this salary is a little bit different. And I would actually present that information forward. But I would do the work for a while. I would do it for six months. What it did was it allowed me to not get incremental. We're going to give you a little differential for doing this extra job. It actually allowed me to say, actually, this job is already, we don't need differential. There's already a salary. There's already numbers connected to this. So if you have advocates, are there individuals who have influence if they don't have position? Are you are you in interactions with the executive assistant to the CEO? These are things that we look over in our organizations. Who are your connections? Who are your engagements? Are there people that you can go to and say, hey, I'm looking to develop in my career and I just need mentorship. I'm not asking for anything. Can you help and guide me? Those people have conversations for you. And if they really have your back, they will go back when you're not in the room and be able to lift your name up. But just don't give up, right? So think about other ways that are indirect. It may not be the dollar now, but sometimes the dollar in a year is better than the one that you're getting right now, right? So think about it as the long game and do not give up. Yeah, I love that. I wrote down your tips. Quit the water cooler. Don't be invisible. Set intentions. And I think the last one is sort of like, you know, you want your reputation to be the work that you do, what you want to do next. Like that should be very clear to people. So when someone says we're looking for someone who would be interested in X, Y, Z, it should be so obvious that someone in the room is like, Oh, I know that Lauren's been interested in that because you are talking about it. I love these tips. These are so, so good. And you know, I think it's just a really good reminder for people that careers don't just happen. And like fulfilling careers don't just happen. Like I remember when I was writing my book and I was talking to all these people about like, okay, you're in this spot with your career. And like the common theme that, or, you know, that was across all of them was that they were in the driver's seat of their career. They thought about these things strategically. They came up with game plans, kind of like what you said, where you were like, I did the work and then I would see the salary. You know, they always say like a negotiation starts before the negotiation process, aka start doing the job before you start negotiating for the thing, right? It's so much 
better to come to a conversation with like, here's what I've done to your point case studies and is to like talk about how amazing you are. Right. So I, I just think that it's such a good skill to also like negotiation, such a good skill to learn. And it's a muscle. You're going to get told, no, you're going to learn your, you know, how to finesse this and say that. And what's the, you know, how do you polish that word? So that feels better coming out of your mouth yeah. for you. You know, like, I, I think, I think that's all a struggle. Right. But like you, you learn the more you do it. I think also just like saying your stuff and then stop talking. That's a whole other thing of like, you know, the confidence that comes with that. Right. <laughs> whole, whole still. I can tell if people like boil it down three ends, be nice. Right. Network and negotiate. Like be kind to yep. people, be nice, be known for how you support and how you be a team player, not a pushover, but a team player, yes. right? Be nice, be kind, negotiate, ask for the thing. And it doesn't always have to be 20 more dollars. It can be the certification, the course, right? The time, can I take half days on Tuesday so that I can self-learn? I'll pay for it, but I need you guys to cover, right? The actual hours where I'm not losing, using my vacation time or anything like that, right? And network. Your network is really yeah. worth. I know that sounds like cheesy when we say it, but who you can go to so connect with, who you can say, hey, all that stuff really matters. So it's uber important. Yes, absolutely. Okay, as we wrap up, Joy, tell us what other workplace trends of 2023 are you paying attention to or catching your eye? Let's hear them. AI is a big thing for everybody. Artificial intelligence is coming up and there's a lot of fear for people around. What does that mean? Will I be replaced? You know, are they going to... And there's some angst. Anytime technology changes, there is angst around individuals who have mastered another technology who are now thinking you have to learn this new thing. Older people in the workforce, yeah. people that are not tech savvy. So those things are coming up a lot. What I want to remind individuals at this point is that AI can duplicate, it cannot create, right? It duplicates. And so what I want people to think about is that how do I remain the creator in my industry? So whether you are a writer, whether you are, if you're working in marketing, if you're working in finance, et cetera, how do I stay ahead of the trend? How do I learn how to operate the thing, right? So that I don't become obsolete because of it, but I almost know how to tame it. I know how to harness it, right? And use it to be better. And so yep. that's what I want to, as we start moving, whatever the trends are, right? The other trends around higher level remote work, right? The world is getting much smaller in that remote is becoming more of a normal and a more of a standard freelance work. So these things are, I don't know if we'll ever go back. I think we thought that they were like the COVID gap and now we're here. So thinking about how do you deal with your cultural competencies? Can you work with overseas teams? Are you able to work with like those leadership skills, people that can work with people across cultures, across time zones, across experiences, very clear communicators, people who are innovative in thought and thought leaders. Those are going to be the people that can win. And you can be a thought leader as an admin assistant. You can be the person yep, in charge of the process and be a thought leader in how to do it more efficiently, how to do it better, how to be more collaborative, how to reduce costs, how to increase speed. So I don't want you to put yourself out of being innovative because you feel like I may not be a CEO yet, right? You want to be thinking about it. every level of, a, of work, there is a way to be efficient. So I know there's fear around it for aging populations who are saying, I don't want to learn anything new. That's a decision you may have to make, right? So what does that mean for your career? And what does that mean for ways that you want to grow? And those are great opportunities for reverse mentorship, where there are people who are younger and more savvy. Yes. And I don't want to make young and savvy synonymous, but there are people who are more savvy in the workplace. Is there something you're great at? So starting to harness your skill sets and your positives and being able to barter those experiences in the workplace so I can help you catch up on this and I need you to help me understand. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, those are the things that are coming up and how you can kind of address them. 
I love that. I mean, I feel that way with Instagram reels. I'm like, who's the younger person that can teach me how to edit this thing? I'm like spending hours over here. So, you know, I need a reverse mentor. No, I love that. Joy, this has been a fantastic conversation. If people want to follow you, follow your work, where's the best place for them to go? Two places to go. So on social media, I am either the joy you need spelled all the way out. So the joy you need or HR for the culture everywhere. But if you want to check out our website, it is www.hrfortheculture.com. So no redacted words, everything is spelled out the way it is. So the joy you need or HR for the culture. Um, and we'd love to engage with you on one of our platforms. Amazing. We'll put all that in the show notes. Enjoy. Thank you so much for this incredible conversation. It was the pep talk we all needed. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. Please don't forget to rate and review our show. It truly means so much for us. Thank you so much again to Joy Pittman for sharing her expertise. And don't forget to follow her on Instagram and connect with her company, HR for the Culture. Lastly, if you're in need of some strengthening of your confidence muscles, we can help with our Confidence Crunch online course. Your enrollment includes lifetime access to video tutorials and interactive workbook and our signature 21 day confidence calendar. Go ahead and check out the course right now and watch the trailer. It's all in the show notes. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.